Good morning. Tell the person next to you, you're the best looking person I've ever seen. <laughs> you have to say it like you mean it though. I see lots of husbands and wives here and this is really working for you and I'm really happy about that. <laughs> so good. It's so nice to just have fun, hey, together as a family. And um, yeah, if you're new here, I apologize and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> what we're going to do this morning is read a bit of the Bible together and talk about what that means for us. And um, it's going to be awesome. Who has a paper Bible? Put your hand up. Yeah. Everyone look around. Keep your hand up. These are the actual really saved people. <laughs> Who's got their Bible on their phone? You're my people. I got you. I love you. <laughs> So we're going to look at the book of Ruth today, and um, I'm going to do my best not to try to make you say things, but I honestly, I just can't help it, and I'm really sorry. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. The Bible talks about making allowances for one another's weaknesses, and so I'm just asking that you would do that for me. <laughs> so book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is like a Back to the Future situation. Who has seen Back to the Future, the movies? <laughs> Put your hand up. The audience is just getting older and older. <laughs> I, my kids don't even know what it is. So, you know, we're getting old together. It's fine. So Marty McFly and like Doc and they do the time travel thing in the DeLorean, which is such a bomby car. But back then we thought it was really cool. And um, so their whole deal is that they, they travel back in time and they travel into the future this like really bomby car and they learn that their life and the life of everyone who's lived before them matters to the overall trajectory of humanity. Who remembers that kind of theme? So such is the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is like this, I think. When we read this together, we're going to see that the providence of God, I'm going to see the importance of an individual's life and understand that God is working in the everyday joys and hardships of life whether it feels like it or not. He is, I promise you. And so you might remember from the book of Jonah that every time we read scripture, we want to ask two questions. First question is, what happened? What happened in this book? Second question is, what's happening now in me because of what happened? These are good questions to ask when we read anything from the Bible. So in your Bible, the book of Ruth will come just after the book of Judges. And Judges documents a period in the history of God's people that is just really violent and wild and heartbreaking. And like, if you're a new Christian, don't read that yet, okay? What you need to do is you need to read all about Jesus because Jesus this is the fulfillment of who God is. So if we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus and he is so wonderful. And then we filter everything else that we read in the New Testament and in the Old Testament through that lens of Jesus. Who is Jesus because Jesus is God. He shows us what God is like. And so it just documents a really um, horrible period in the history of God's people in Judges. And actually the last chunk of Judges, and some of you might remember, it's Judges 21-25, and it reads this. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's a wild time, you guys. So things are a hot mess. God is heartbroken as well at the distance between himself and his own people that he loves. And he can see that their own sin, it's hurting them and it's not doing them any good. And there's a great distance between God and his people at that time. And so it's in this scenario that the book of Ruth is written in this context. Oh, 
this, the book of Ruth is beautiful, this beautiful redeeming story, like hope-filled story of how God decides to use the everyday life of one particular family to alter the trajectory of humanity and to bring God's people back to him. And not just God's people, but all of us here. So if you're sitting here today, like the first person you need to thank when you go to heaven, forget about everyone else, go to Ruth, give her the biggest hug in the world. <laughs> You'd be like, you are the best person I've ever read about. Like, what a legend. What a total legend. Who has not read the book of Ruth before? Just, just not to embarrass you. I hadn't read through it thoughtfully until recently. And so if you haven't done that, if you haven't read through it thoughtfully recently, maybe just go ahead and do that this week. There's a bunch of stuff in it because we're in the Old Testament. There's a bunch of concepts that kind of might kind of just, you know, we might just completely miss. But just read through it and allow the Holy Spirit. Just say, God, help me. Help me. Speak to me through this. Help me understand what this book is about. You will not regret it. It's the total best. It's the best. Say to the person next to you, it's the best. (laughs) Unless you don't want to, it's fine. (laughs) So... So it's all about how God decides to redeem his people again through this one particular family. And it's not necessarily by miraculous power in the same way that we see in other Old Testament books, but it's about his providence, God's providence. And that is that God is at work in the everyday happenings of our lives and that he will bring about supernatural results through everyday things. How amazing, how amazing. So things happen to you and I in life and God works out a supernatural outcome even in these ordinary things. So God doesn't look at our lives and go, oh no, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do now. Angels, go get me Marty McFly. We need him here. We need him to fix this situation. He's the only one that can help us. No, God's heart breaks for us, with us, when things are tough. But then he takes the things that look and feel impossible and he doesn't allow them to be wasted. Oh, this is the most beautiful thing about God. I love that about God. He is the kind of redeemer, and this is going to be a key word for us over this week and next week. He is the, God is the kind of redeemer who will not allow things to be wasted. He can wield and put to use the mess and grief and loss and disappointments and hardships of our lives, which are not caused by him, by the way, but he grieves with us over all of it. And he says, don't worry, none of this is wasted. I will not allow the things that you have been through to be pointless or to be squandered. I can redeem even those things. This is the kindness of God. So we're going to jump into a 60-second recap of the book of Ruth. (laughs) Because unlike Jonah, it's a little bit longer, so we can't just read through it all together today, which is why we're all going to read through it um, this week, right? That's what we're going to do this week. So here we go. Chapter 1. There is a big famine happening in Bethlehem in Judah. And it got so bad that one, dis- one family decided that they needed to just get out of there. So there's a husband and a wife called Naomi and Elimelech. <laughs> it's auto-corrected to Limerick in my notes. So that's super fun. Naomi and Limerick. And they have two sons. And so because things are really difficult, they leave the land that God gave them, which is important, and they decide to go closer to a place called Moab. And for the sake of time, we'll just say that the Moabites are really, like, they're bad dudes. They're bad guys. And earlier in the Jewish scriptures, it's actually written to God's people, have nothing to do with them. Don't talk to them. Don't invite them over. They are bad, bad, bad. Don't have anything to do with them. And so this is important, which we'll find out shortly. But this family, they went in, this family from Jerusalem, they went anyway um, away from the promised land in search of food and security in Moab. 
which just prompts the question real quick, have we ever done that? Like, have we ever left spiritually or figuratively a place where God wanted us to be, but it just got too difficult? It's just a throwaway question. It's just something to consider as we think about this together. Good question to ask. So their sons marry two Moabite women, and one is called Orpah, and one is called Ruth. Fun fact I found out. (laughs) Um, Who knows Oprah? Oh, 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 Oprah. Who remembers that? (laughs) No? Okay, you're all too holy for that. But um, Oprah is a talk show host, if you don't know, (laughs) and like world famous. And um, her mum actually meant to name her Orpah, but she, somewhere along the way, they spelt it wrong on all the documents, and now she's called Oprah, which is like great for her because she's like a national, international sensation. So, Oprah. But it's Orpah. (laughs) So, you're welcome for that. In a very tragic turn of events, <laughs> it is very tragic, um, all of the men in the family die. Um, we don't know why, it's not known. Maybe people think that maybe they were unwell. There was something in the family that caused them to die early. But Naomi's husband and the husbands of Orpah and Ruth, um, they die. So Naomi says to her daughter, daughters in law, it's probably best that you go back to your families in Moab. Like, just go, just go back. Go back from where you came from. You're, you know, the people will be able to look after you. And go back to your old gods. Is she like the worst Christian witness ever? Like, just go back to your old gods. And maybe you can rebuild a life there. And she's like, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. And Orpah decides to go back to Moab. And that's cool. But Ruth says, no way, I'm coming with you. And you will know these famous words that Ruth says to her mother-in-law, she says, do not urge me to leave you or to turn from following you. Wherever you go, I will go. <laughs> wherever, you, uh, wherever you live, I will live. And your people will be my people and your God will be my God. So they turn back and they go to the promised land. Chapter two, this is more than 60 seconds. I'm so sorry. Chapter two, <laughs> Ruth decides that even though things really suck and she's devastated about everything that she's going to get up and she's going to work instead of feeling stuck, instead of staying stuck. That's an interesting thing too. Is there something that we need to do today? Like, are we stuck in some way? And we just need to decide, I'm just going to get up and do something about this because this is the kind of woman that Ruth is. So wonderful. And so she goes and works in some fields in Bethlehem who belonged to a guy called Boaz. Best name ever. Who's having a baby soon? Please call him Boaz. That would be so cool. (laughs) Boaz is a very good guy. And um, he loves God and he's kind and generous. And in terms of his character, he's just miles above like people of his day. Miles above. He's a really good guy. So he meets Ruth and he shows like overwhelming kindness to her because of what he has heard about her character, about that she wouldn't leave her mother-in-law alone and that she decided to go with her. So Ruth had put all of her other idols, all of her other gods behind her and chose to serve God and serve Naomi. And this is a beautiful picture of loyalty. And Ruth reminds us that character matters so much to God and to other people. Chapters 3 and 4, which we're going to look at in a couple of weeks. Naomi says to Ruth, you need to go and marry Boaz. He's a good guy. Like, go and marry him now. He loves God. He can help us look after our family. And Ruth's like, leave it to me. I'll go. And she does. And she proposes to Boaz in the weirdest way. I do not recommend it in this day and age. But go through and read it for yourself and make of it what you will. 
And um, there's a law at play here, though, that God's people, like the Israelites, were actually the first people in history to institute. And it's called the law of the kinsman redeemer. And what it means is if, a, if, we have, if we find a widow, her husband has died, there's no other male relatives in her family to look after her, a kinsman redeemer is the closest male relative to this widow. And so the law was actually for women's protection because in this day in this day and age a woman who is not attached or affiliated to a man is basically subhuman like they're not their own person they're not a person on their own that they can just go out and do this and do that and buy a field and become Oprah like it's not that situation so um, this law just means that whoever becomes widowed there is a male someone in the family who will then take her in Um, usually end up marrying her, look after her family and carry on the family line. Now, you and I, in our Western brains, are like, gross. That is so gross. Imagine if Andy disappeared and I had to go and marry Frank Logan. Does anyone know Frank Logan? (laughs) Like, (laughs) praise God for him, right? And I love him, but not like that. And so you might be thinking... (laughs) That's so gross. Why would God make people do that, marry someone that they don't love? And here's the thing. It's not great. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. But what we know about the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is it's actually a revelation over time um, of the people regarding who God is. And so over time, you'll see through the Old Testament, right from Genesis all the way to the end of the Old Testament, you will see that things just get better and better and better and better for people until this fulfillment of who God is in Jesus. And so what that means, this law in particular, like is it good that you would have to go and like marry someone that you didn't love? Is it good? No, it's not good. But is it better? Is it better that you are protected and provided for and that your children will live and that you won't die? Is it better? Yes, it is. It's so much better. And so has God finished redeeming like women's rights even in 2023? No, not by far. But is it better? Yes, it's so much better. And we praise God for the work of his spirit in the world, not just to do with women's rights, but in every way. That's a whole other story and we don't have time to talk about it. But maybe we'll revisit it again. So what a wonderful law. So in the final chapter of Ruth, they sort out a few legalities, namely that there's this other guy who's actually first in line before Boaz to marry Ruth. And he, so Boaz has to go and have a conversation with him. And he's like, hey, do you want to marry her? Do you want this land and blah, 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 and her kids and whatnot? And um, he's like, no, nah, actually, I'm good. You go for it. And so <laughs> Boaz is like, "Woo! I don't know. I would imagine it doesn't say that in the Bible. But um, <laughs> he was probably really pumped. And then he goes and marries Ruth. And it's a very happy ending. And it's a wonderful story. And uh, Ruth and Boaz have a son named Obed. And we will see a little later why this is so important that he was born. Like this is God's providence at work in the life of everyday people. It's so important that he was born even for you and I. So this is a back to the future situation that alters the course of history all within the tragedies and joys of a family's life. So Ruth reminds us that we cannot know the significance of our lives or the significance of our obedience, but God knows, and one day he will show us the big picture. So grab your Bible, whether you've got your paper Bible or whether you've got your phone. We're going to turn to the book of Ruth. And let's just destroy this idea that the book of Ruth should be relegated to like Mother's Day and like women's conferences. Come on. (laughs) This is more. This book is beautiful. 
It's like, it's just like when we remember Jonah, we all remember Jonah and the whale, but we've talked about how Jonah is a mirror for us to look at our own hearts and to look at our own lives. And so we could completely in the same way miss the, miss the story and miss the importance of the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is not just a biblical display of femininity, like what it means to be a good wife. Like what? Ew. No, it's not that. It's not that. What a silly way to read it. <laughs> Had Ruth not been written... The actual, visceral, messy, risky, in, any ma- in, in many ways, normal human life of Ruth. If that life had not been lived, there are some really important people and some really important things that would never have been recorded in Scripture. In fact, some Scripture would not even have been written. Amazing. So I wish we had like four Sundays to look at all of this, but we don't. So we're just going to have a few, look at a few observations now. My first observation here is we must know by which names God calls us. You can skip to the third slide, please. Thank you. Know your name. So we can see you will read in the story as you read through this week, and I will read to you now as well. Naomi changed her God-given name because of her circumstances. Sometimes we call ourselves by our situation, but God is calling you by your identity not by what is happening in your life. So let's take a quick look at chapter one, and this is what it says. So Naomi and Ruth traveled until they came to Bethlehem. And when they entered Bethlehem, so they're returning from Moab back to Bethlehem, the whole city stirred because of them. And, and the women of the city, they were like, can this be Naomi? And she said, don't call me Naomi, she replied. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Almighty has dealt with me bitterly. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? After all, the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. So everyone in Bethlehem has recognized Naomi returning without her husband, without her sons, with a Moabite, which is against the law, with her in tow. And they're all like, oh my gosh, is it Naomi? And Naomi's like, don't call me that. I'm bitter. Call me bitter because God has dealt with me bitterly and he's taken everything from me. And just like Jonah in the belly of the whale where he feels that God has abandoned him, Naomi feels the same way. Has God ever, does God ever abandon us? No. Does it ever feel like that? Yes, so many times. And so this is how Naomi is feeling and this is how Jonah was feeling. She feels exactly the same way. But it doesn't just stop at how she feels about things. And this is important. Because then she starts calling herself by her circumstance. (laughs) Like things are hard. And so she just slaps that label on herself. Like this is how it's going to be forever. And God can't fix this. And it's just not the truth. And so a good question to ask here is, do you and I ever do that? Do you and I call ourselves by something because of our circumstances? We are calling ourselves maybe a failure or we're hopeless or we're unforgivable or we're unworthy or we're a loser or whatever it is. But God isn't dictating these labels. We are. And that's not the truth about us. So you and I have the advantage of reading the book of Ruth this week to know how the story ends and to know that Naomi's heartbreak, it doesn't last forever and that God will redeem her story And it's amazing, but she didn't know that. (laughs) She didn't know that at this point. And just like you and I, when we find ourselves in seasons of life that are difficult and heartbreaking, it's almost impossible to see how could God redeem this? How could this even work out? What could God even do with this? But I want to remind you today that he can redeem it and he will. Stop calling yourself by your circumstance and remember who you belong to. 
Because of Jesus, this is what God says of you. We'll go to the next two slides, please. That you are a new creation. That you belong to him. That you're redeemed and justified. That you're an heir. That you are chosen. That you are adopted. That you are redeemed and forgiven. That you have a helper, the Holy Spirit. He has not left you alone. That you are made alive in Christ. The old you is gone. God, you are God's workmanship. You are precious to him and you are no longer a slave to anything, but you are free. This is who you are. Let's stop calling ourselves by our circumstances. Let's stop placing labels on ourselves that aren't from God, that are only from us. And let's remember who God calls us. So wonderful. Let's not call ourselves by our circumstances. My second observation here and final one is is this. Um, God loves people more than the rules. You can skip to the next slide. Yeah, awesome. So some of us will be thinking when you read this, God loves people more than the rules. What, what does that mean? Like, I'm not, don't go from here and say, that girl at ACC was saying that holiness isn't important to God and that the rules don't matter. Heresy, yes, yes, don't do that. Thank you. No, that's not what I'm saying. Holiness is so important to God. We, God calls us, to, Jesus calls us to become like him to become Christ-like by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is when we think about Ruth, Ruth was living in the wrong place, in the wrong time. She was the wrong gender. She was the wrong race. And even the Jewish scriptures at the time were against her. Even the Jewish scriptures said, you don't belong here. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? But Ruth becomes the family line through which God would redeem not just the Israelites, but the whole world. How amazing. How amazing. So Ruth was born into the wrong place at the wrong time. The scriptures were against her. Everyone was against her. Maybe you felt like everything is against you. Yet here she is in Bethlehem about to have a back to the future moment. And God in his grace and mercy toward Naomi and Ruth's family and toward humanity for its salvation decides I know the rules say that Moabites are bad but I love Ruth more than the rules I love humanity more than the rules so I'm going to bring Ruth into the story of God's people is God allowed to do that the answer is yes whenever we ask that question (laughs) the answer is always yes there are so many stories especially in the gospels where Jesus shows us that God loves people more than the rules so many so many and so wonderful amazing stories and so imagine if every human thought about God that way that God loved us more than the rules, more than a rule that we'd heard, more than something that someone had said about us. Oh, God can't love you because you've done this. Oh, God can't love you because you said that or whatever it is. God loves you. God loves you more than those rules that you've heard. It doesn't mean that he doesn't call us to be holy. It means that no one is now excluded. No one is excluded. God loves you and he wants to know you. He wants to help you in your life. So which leads us to ask a bunch of questions like, Is there any person or is there any group of people that I, myself, that you, that us, that we are excluding or that we are writing off because because of our own cultural rules or because of our own religious rules? Is there anyone like that? Or because we've cherry-picked a biblical rule but we haven't read it in light of who Jesus is? God help us. How can we show Jesus to those who don't yet know him? This is the question. 
So we're going to read. Let's look at Boaz in his first encounter with Ruth and listen to this in chapter 2. It says, So Ruth departed and went out into the field and gleaned after the harvesters. So this is after Ruth decided, I'm not going to stay stuck. I'm going to go and let's go. I'm going to go and do something. What can I do? I'm going to go glean in these fields. Um, And the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan clan of Limerick, just joking, Elimelech. (laughs) What was Ruth's first husband? It's Elimelech, so it's his family. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and said to the harvesters, Hey, fellas, the Lord be with you. And they replied, The Lord bless you. So Boaz is already a man. Like the name of God is on his, you know, it's, it's coming out of his mouth. He loves God. He wants to serve God. And Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, Who, Whose young woman is this? And the foreman answered, She is a Moabitess who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. This is a no-no. He should be panicking right now. He should be kicking her out, right? She has said, please let me glean and gather from among the sheaves after the harvesters. So she came out and she continued. She worked all day from morning until now, except that she rested for a short time in a shelter. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, do not go and glean from another field or do not go away from this place, but stay here close to my servant girls. Let your eyes be on the field they are harvesting and follow along after these girls. So he's like, I want you to be safe. How beautiful. He even says, I've ordered the, the young men not to touch you. And when you're thirsty, you can go and drink from the water that they themselves have drawn. And at this, Ruth fell on her face and she bowed low to the ground. And she said to him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? Even though I'm a foreigner, even though I'm a Moabite, even though your scriptures say that I'm not allowed here. And Boaz replied, I've been made fully aware of all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. And how you left your father and mother and the land of your birth from Moab and you came to a people that you didn't know before. He's like, you are brave and loyal and I am digging that. And verse 12, he says to her, may the Lord repay your work and may you receive a rich reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have taken refuge. Is he allowed to say that? This is a Moabite. She's not allowed to be under the protective wings of God. But she is, because God loves people more than the rules. So what can we see here? Boaz had every right to kick Ruth out and to let her die because of what the rules said about her. Some scholars think that Boaz represents Jesus. So he's like an Old Testament picture of what Jesus is like. And he's like an Old Testament picture of the character of God. And so we see that he's like a shadow or he's like an arrow pointing to Jesus, his commitment to redeem and bring flourishing to a family or to a people who had no other option. And I wonder for you and I today, if you have ever felt at arm's length from God, have you ever felt like that? Maybe it's a rule that you've heard. Maybe it's someone, something that someone has said to you. But you need to know that there's no barrier that is too great. You don't need to be at arm's length to God anymore. He just loves you. He just loves you. He loves you more than the rules that you've heard. He wants you to grow and become like him, but he loves you. Maybe you felt like there is something in your life that makes makes things too hard for God to redeem. I might just ask the team to come up if that's all right. That would be awesome wherever you are. Yeah. So whether you've been a Christian for ages or whether you're sitting in church today for the first time ever, I hope you know that there is no barrier regarding God's love for you. There is no barrier. And I cannot wait to share with you chapter 3 and 4 of Ruth because we just see even more 
just the grace and mercy and goodness of God in how he will restore things that we think this is hopeless. There's no way that this can be better. The rules say this, life is against me, this is happening, that is happening. But the promise of God is that he is a redeemer. And whether he redeems things in a way that we feel is right or whether he redeems things ultimately through everything that Jesus has done, he is kind. He is so kind. I just want you to know that God is kind today. I just want you to know that he's kind. So if you've been holding anything back from, if, like from fully following Jesus, like if you're here today and you're a Christian or maybe you're not even a Christian and you're like, I think I need to follow Jesus, come, come, come and I'll pray for you after, as these guys are playing. And after Dan wraps up, come and I'll pray with you. I would love to pray with you. But if you've been, even if you've been a Christian forever and you're like, there's something holding me back. And maybe it's because like Ruth, there's stuff in your life that you, you feel is a barrier. I just want to assure you that it's not. It's not. There's nothing that is a barrier for God to love you. And so maybe today is the day that you just need to decide, okay, well, if all of these things that we read, Lise, can you pop them back up? If all of these things that we read about ourselves, that God says about us, if these things are true, there's no reason I can't run into the arms of God and that He will just begin to restore and that He'll just begin to help me grow and to help me become more Christ-like. You are a new creation. You belong to Him. You are redeemed and forgiven. You have a helper, the Holy Spirit. You are God's workmanship. You are precious to Him. There is no rule that anyone could ever speak to you that will negate any of this. This is God's Word to you and God's Word about you. And may we be people that carries this beautiful message of the gospel really well. May we not be the kind of church that has our own cultural rules and our own traditions and our own expectations that we would rule anyone out. Let's not be that church. <laughs> Let's be the church that says, come and know Jesus because He's the best. And this is what He says about you. Imagine, imagine if we were that church in Armadale. So maybe we just all stand and... Um, just take a little moment before we wrap up. story not been recorded for us to identify with and to understand the hardships of someone like Ruth had it not been written the book of Psalms would not exist <laughs> can you believe that the book of Kings Malachi Zephaniah right through to Matthew Mark Luke John would not have been written and their subjects would not have revolutionized the relationship between humanity and a loving redeeming God had Ruth not decided to go with Naomi. Had she decided to just give up, we would not have any of these things that encourage us in our faith today. And I just want to say the same thing to you. Whatever is happening in your life, I just wonder if there are bigger ramifications should you decide not to give up than you realise. 
I just wonder what, all of the little things that you feel aren't a big deal in your life or that you feel are inconsequential. I just wonder what God might do with them and how He might show us when we meet Jesus the big picture and just look back and go, oh God, that was you at work. That was you at work, God. That was you at work. But we couldn't see it at the time, just like Ruth and just like Naomi. So let me pray for you real quick and then Dan's going to wrap up for us. God, I pray that you would just soften our hearts right now. And whatever it is that you would have us understand or reflect on from this beautiful book, Holy Spirit, that you would just show us what that is for each of us. God, we are so grateful for your word, for the Bible that has been recorded, for us to know what you're like, God, for us to see how you would redeem things, how you have redeemed things, God. We thank you, God, for your kindness in this. I pray for each person here who feels like they are in a situation that could never be redeemed. And if that's you, just know that I'm actually praying for you right now. This is not a token prayer. We don't want to come in here and just do our thing and leave. What? We want to have an encounter with God. God, I pray for each person who feels like whatever they're going through is not redeemable. I pray right now, God, in this moment by your Holy Spirit, that people would receive your peace. God, that you would strengthen those who need to be strengthened. God, I pray that you would cause them not to remain stuck. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just be calling them, that you that their ears would be attentive to you, the ears of their heart would just be hearing your voice, God. And that you would just be calling them closer to you, even in the mess, even in the chaos that it looks like it's not going to be redeemed yet. But thank you, God, that you will redeem it. Thank you, God, that you will. I pray that you will help us hold on to this promise, that you will redeem all things, all things. I thank you for this, God. I thank you for this promise. And let it be this promise that we hold to when we can't imagine how things could possibly work out, that you redeem all things. Thank you, God. Let your closeness be felt, God. Let your presence be felt this week. Amongst everything that's happening, may we know, God, that you are with us, that you have not left us, and that you'll redeem all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.